Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. Today I'm joined by AJ Witt from the ITAM Review. Hey, hey AJ. Hi, hi everyone. And James Moy. James, welcome to the to the podcast. Um, could we ask you to introduce yourself? Where, where, what's your title? Where do you work? What do you do? Well, thank you for inviting me uh, to the ITM Review podcast. Uh, right now, I am working for Viacom CBS. I am the uh, Senior Director for Technology Asset Management on a global scale, handling both hardware and software. Cool. And um, how did you actually get into ITM in the first place? Yeah, so my journey uh, began probably over 20 years ago when I was uh, a, a wee bit uh, be wet behind the ears back in the early 90s, I'd say, early mid 90s, where I was literally an, just an inventory specialist uh, for an insurance firm. And that role morphed into other roles uh, and other companies. And when I landed on with another company, uh, I was doing strictly hardware asset management, understanding how inventory and procurement works and, and doing, doing that. And then that morphed into software asset management, uh, where I tried to, to be the headlights for the organization to say, hey, uh, we have a software compliance issue with this publisher. You might want to address this, and here's how you solution it. And no one listened to we got audited by Adobe. So. Hence, that's how I got into uh, ITAM and SAM. Cool. And whereabouts in the world are you? Uh, I am in the uh, United States in, in New York. Cool. And I, I think, if I remember rightly, you came along to one of our very first events in New York at Baruch yep, College. At College. Yep. Um, and have been a long-term follower of our ITAM review. So thank you very much for your support over the years. No, no, absolutely. Uh, actually, it was actually your blogs and uh, the ITEM review where I, I learned a lot of stuff as well as uh, on the job. But I looked to uh, the website and a lot of other websites, but you were the foremost website that had a lot of more information than most people. And you had pretty much the same views that I did. And uh, so I really do appreciate the, the role that the ITEM review has played, at least in my career. Cool. So um, I was listening to your session at our um, North America Wisdom um, conference online, and I was really intrigued by what you had done around um, SaaS and Zoom in particular. And I, I thought it'd be great to share it on the podcast. Could we could we dig into that? Could you share what you've done as, a, as a, I guess it's like a program of work, is it around SaaS? additional to your ITAM responsibilities or is it now part of your ITAM? How, how, have you, how did you approach the whole thing? Uh, so when I first took over software asset management or technology asset management here at uh, Viacom CBS, it was actually CBS before we merged last year, uh, late last year. And uh, I had noticed that, you know, the software shift already happening within the, the SAM world and a lot was going into the SaaS space primarily, uh, not just for Microsoft or Adobe, but primarily software in general. And I think the struggle earlier on, uh, not in 19, but probably around 17, 18 timeframe, and 
there were a lot of people asking about how are we measuring usage in the SaaS platform because you can never do that with any of your on-premise tools. And the, the SaaS providers that offer the, the applications or software would not give you a good tool to measure. You can tell who's subscribed, you can tell who's assigned, but you can never tell who's actually using. So when I got here, I started researching and understanding what SaaS tools were in that space. And we did a POC with several vendors. And then we uh, basically concentrated on the one that we selected, which was Xylo. And they had probably the, the better view of SaaS and utilization because they integrated with uh, your accounts payable, co contract management systems, as well as expense management systems, which gives you the full picture of what you're paying for software, whether it's on-prem or SaaS-based, but you also see who's actually spending money on a corporate card or a procurement card where it's outside your contracts, where mm. it shouldn't, because if you have a, a contract already, you should be leveraging that contract because obviously you've already negotiated your rates and your measurement activities. But if someone going out and buying things outside you, that process, that's just money just gone into the wind. And by buying things, I assume you mean credit card in other departments outside of IT? Correct. Absolutely. Because if you're buying it on a credit card, you're, pot, you're usually buying it from a website directly and it's usually retail, not a negotiated rate based on a contract, which will always be higher. So you've mentioned the technology piece. Um, how, how do you go about actually implementing that? Because you have to educate people presumably about what you're doing and have a process in place to follow up with people when they do go ahead and buy something on a credit card and so on and so forth. How, how do you go out? How do you go about actually implementing all of this? So uh, what I realized uh, along the journey is uh, everyone always seemed to think that you buy a tool and the tool fixes everything and it's never that way. I'm sure, and everyone here at the I-10 review knows this. AJ is smiling, even I know that. But primarily, it's a relationship uh, with other stakeholders or the business areas. And it's a story that needs to be told multiple times. And you have to give them the full vision and say, this is, here's, here's, our, here's our problem. Here's the solution. Here's our vision on how we're going to get there. And here's the timeline and how we will achieve that together and it's not just about one group doing one thing it's basically everything that we talked about and that everyone within the SAM world or the, the, the ITEM world knows about it's the people process and the technology you invest in the people you create the process and the policy that people will follow and you invest in technology to make it seamless or somewhat easy for the end user to obtain the software or to answer certain questions that people have. If we don't take the end user uh, view of things, then we're just totally discounting them. And that's what we want to avoid because they're in, they're in this process as well. We're not just trying to fix the, the discrepancy or the compliance issue. There's also a, a UI uh, factor that we need to consider on the request side and how they feel to do their job right or a tool that they need to do their job function. So we have to take that in consideration. Yeah, the whole user experience. Correct, the whole user experience. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. <laughs>
And could I ask, for those um, trying to build the business case for this, how did you go about putting the proposal together for your senior management team to invest in this stuff and to make the changes and push the changes forward? So I think the, the bigger challenge for everyone in the ITAM space, uh, whether it's hardware or software, is to get that C-level buy-in. And I was fortunate enough that when this role was created, my senior manager, not my senior, the senior person in the organization, which was my CTO, uh, had that vision. He, he knew that ITAM was a key role in technology. So they hired my role to fit that space. And he understood why. All I did was come in and create that vision of where we're going, how we're going to get there, and when we're going to get there. And he bought into it fairly easily. I think the challenge for a lot of people, for all the organizations, is that people think that ITAM is a a bean or a widget counter, right? And people discount it as a back office operation. It is not a back office operation. We see everything, we can optimize pretty much a lot of things within the technology space, but they have to give ITEM that, that seat at the table at the C-level uh, uh, decision-making to basically say, hey, here's what we can do, here's our, and here's our value. So literally last year, we've been keeping track of all our cost saves, savings, cost avoidance. Last year with a group of eight, we were saving upwards of $5 million year to year. We're already over 5 million this year. We're probably on pace to get to at least six by the end of this year. We still have a couple of months left. We've been saving probably on an average about four to 5 million a year. Just, on, just on SaaS? Just uh, SaaS and hardware and software as well, yeah. Right, right. Yep. But SaaS has a bigger bank, particularly you saw the Zoom savings at Wisdom. And how could we unpick that? Is that cost avoidance or, or cost saving? How do you frame that for your finance people? So uh, one is, uh, so you take licensing, obviously, right? Uh, you have, let's say you have 5,000 subscriptions. Everyone's assigned a higher level SKU called uh, Zoom Pro, right? But then you notice that there's people that don't utilize it. So that's like 2,000 people that don't utilize it. So we've removed them. So to me, that's savings or, or, or a cost avoidance because you didn't have to spend the money or buy or buy additional licenses for people that actually need the pro license. And then you also have people that are assigned a pro license, but use the tool in such a way that, hey, we could give them a free account because their meetings are less than 10 people. They never go over 40 minutes. Guess what? We'll drop them to a free account and they'll still be good because it doesn't affect them because they're not holding large meetings. There's, that's a savings opportunity as well because now we're not spending money or signing a higher level part number to people who don't utilize that, uh, yeah. at least those features. And did you get any friction from users about doing that? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you always get people that say, I need the tool. I'm like, well, we're not really taking away your tool. We're just downgrading you to a lower skew, but you still use the tool. And then the people that don't utilize the tool right now, they, they're not going to notice. And we make it fairly simple for them to get it back uh, through our request process. Yeah, I was I, <clears throat> just thinking, also there's a flip side to that is the fact that the people who do need that Pro Tool can get it because you've freed up 
you, you freed up some licenses that aren't being used and because there are always people who need better conditions if you like um yeah. uh, and it just makes such up to you it, there's no kind of there's no extra oh i don't have to put a request in for that i can see that you're you need it and therefore you're going to be assigned it i remember i think it was a swedish organization that reorganized their office space and they gave the people who were in the office the the most the windows and that meant that all the senior people who were never in the office didn't have nice outward looking um no window seats because they weren't there um it's that kind of thing where whereby you can you can really improve employee experience by by on the face of it doing cost cutting because you you've, you you're putting those licenses into the right area right absolutely yeah totally agree with that on the on the sort of the detecting usage side of things how how are you actually finding that with um with xylo is there a direct direct plug-in for zoom um yes xylo? So one thing that i've noticed about xylo or any of the SaaS tools right they they will basically claim that they can do this and do this right the key the, the key in any SaaS tool is your direct api plugin one and the second one is primarily uh, how much data is being revealed by that publisher. The reason why I say that is because Zoom, they have a set of reports that I, I have administrative rights over and I can run my reports there. And Xylo can actually pull out those same reports, but then get down to the nitty gritty and say, okay, you have this section or this division, you can slice up the data and basically say, hey, this group is assigned this a license and it has some analytics and, and uh, basically that says, this group hasn't used their licenses in 90 days. And they do a recommendation on the screen that says, hey, you could downgrade these to a basic license if you'd like, and then you can do that uh, automatically if you want in the tool because it has that direct plugin uh, as an API. I think the struggle with either Xylo and all these other SaaS tools, certain publishers, and I'll take the big one, Adobe, uh, Adobe, I've been chasing for over 20 years to just get utilization. And literally I've had many conversations with the account rep, their technical team, and they basically can say, they've been telling me that we don't have that data. I said, guys, you have that data. You just don't have no idea what you're doing with the data. And right now, even with certain tools that claim like ServiceNow, they claim that they have that data. I don't think it's the actual data from uh, from an API. It's just basically plugging into your creative cloud suite and basically scraping your subscription assignments. I could do that now in that portal. I don't need to know who I have assigned. I have that. And then everybody knows that it's the utilization, uh, that is key because that will determine how you downgrade and upgrade people. Well, yeah, I, yeah I, I recall from Adobe, probably three years back now, if you're a Creative Cloud subscriber, you could pay extra to get better usage data from the portal. So it was part of the, there's, there's an enterprise level of, 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 of Creative Cloud where uh, it's you know, an enhanced buying program, but you had to pay extra money to, to get that usage data. So, um, you know, I, I just think that's not a great practice by Adobe. That's um, you know, fundamentally um, just a bit sharp really, isn't it? You, you, I, I'd imagine for you, as a creative um, firm, for, you've got a ton of Adobe out there that you need to manage. And, oh yes, yeah. I, I can I can guarantee you that 
we just signed a new agreement with them and uh, it literally took us almost six months to right size nine ETLA contracts to get to the negotiation point and then consolidate 10, 10 agreements and 30 plus VIP agreements into one ETLA. So yes, it was, it was quite a journey to get there. So yes. <laughs> And, and, and fundamentally, that should have been an easier journey if you had really detailed usage information. I, I, I mean, I guess it's not in, in, in Adobe's interests. They, maybe that's the way they see it, to, to give you that detailed information. But my view is that that's your data. It's your user data. Um, okay. It'd be really interesting um, over here in the, in the EU whether, whether you could even challenge to get that data under, under GDPR um, because it's clearly personally identifiable. Um, yeah, so I think it's an area where publishers can 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 improve. Is, uh, is there a, a boilerplate that we could generate that with a few paragraphs that says, before I procure something from a SaaS provider, this is what I'm looking for to be able to manage it in the future, that we can get that out there in the public domain? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, I think I do have uh, a set of questions that I normally approach with a publisher or a vendor when we're in the negotiation period where we ask them certain, what metrics do you measure our license position? What can you reveal to us? And I, I, I strongly encourage that they have an API or reveal certain data points to us through a, either through an API or through some type of uh, SAML uh, uh, AD authorization. So we could at least obtain some of that data of who's at trying to access the data. So one of the, the key points that uh, Xylo was able to do was Salesforce integration. So the, the, the good thing between Xylo and Salesforce is that Salesforce uses Xylo to do a lot of their M&A, which is a great relationship. Mm. So we can plug in all the Salesforce instances and basically reveal who's actually using. We see who, how many licenses we have, plus who's actually using it between 30, 30, 60, and 90 day period. And we can move licenses around uh, between in the organization without having to buy. Since we've done that, we haven't to buy additional licenses, which is great. And just closing out that point around having access to your data. Yes, it should absolutely be a question upfront that you ask when you, when you come into a contract. Um, I did a piece probably in mid 2019 around things to ask your SaaS vendor, and, and we, should, we should certainly include that in, in an updated version. It feels to me it's a bit like um, the endless battle to get Dash 2 tagging done for on-prem software. Um, yeah. It's the same problem. You're, you're fundamentally, you're trying to solve an, an inventory and discovery problem, and for SaaS, it should be easier than it is currently. Well, right. well the, the draconian view is it's not in their interest to do it, is it? Well, it's whereas, not, no. whereas we covered this in a, in a podcast or two ago around Slack, you know, proactively giving refunds uh, for, for non-usage. How, how do you feel about that, James? Did you see that news? Uh, yeah, I did see that news. Uh, it doesn't affect us as much, primarily because we, I, I believe we have a very large contract with Slack right now. Uh, I think the, the, the strong, uh, the key point that I wanted to make was that it's not, it, from our view as, as SAM professionals or ITAM professionals, right? We always, we sometimes think that it's always 
we're trying to de defend the, our territory from the publishers from changing or you know putting undue necessary uh, either it's more spend or harder metrics and the the view that I take with certain publishers and I've mentioned this to to a lot of vendors that I deal with now I said do you want and it's basically do you want to be a transactional vendor publisher or do you want a to be a valued and strategic partner with our company because if you're a value strategic partner guess what that means that means you're in here for the long term that means our relationship is at a good place you're not nickel and diming me but you are going to invest in what we do as a company and we will buy your product because we're investing in your company so it's a two-way street but like you said, Martin, if they're going to go the draconian method, then they can be transactional and we could always find a replacement for you easily. There's, a, there's enough publishers out there that do different things and there's duplicity and function of the tools. You can easily find a replacement, right? It's just maybe a slight deviation on how it's used or the UI could be different, but it's basically telling the publisher and correcting their behavior and say, do you want to be a strategic partner or do you want to be transactional? And because if you're a strategic partner, that means you have year over year growth, whatever that percentage may be versus a one-time event. And then maybe we'll evaluate you next year and maybe you'll be gone by next year. Yeah. And, and as we know, SAS is not sticky. Um, you know, probably a third of your estate will change every single year. So there's always an opportunity to, yeah, treat someone as being transactional rather, rather than a, a strategic partner. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably easier for um, CBS Viacom due to the size that you are. I think everyone can do this to a certain extent. SaaS providers live and die by their, by their user numbers and their active users. It's a, it's a really critical metric for them that, that their, their investors track. And of course, many SaaS organizations don't make a lot of money yet. They're still startups. So you do have a degree of power in your dealings with them right we do have the power but the uh, i think the challenge is our user our, our uh, the individual employees that go out there and attempt to buy that software outside established contracts or even non-contracts uh i've seen xylo reveal to to me that we're we're spending a lot of money on the expense side for certain pieces of software where we shouldn't uh and that's we've partnered with expense management as well as the uh, certain finance groups within certain divisions to say, Hey, we got to put a stop to this. And we're now instituting a policy that says, Hey, if we have a contract in place, do this. And we're also putting some front end. So there's a lot of moving parts. Currently we're trying to merge service now uh, instances to one versus having the, the two separate ones. And then once we get to that central point of contact, we'll have all the data available because right now we're all, we're basically in flux because Viacom has their own process. CBS has their own process. I am one group trying to manage both companies and it's kind of hard with not enough resources. So when, when we get there next year, which will be January, uh, we'll have more of a single plane, pane of glass. So people can basically say, Hey, if you're looking for this software, go here. If you're looking for that software, go there. So we'll have rules around that. What would you recommend to people 
doing this, what you've done with SAS, or, or maybe if you were to go and do this at another organization, what would what have you learned from that process that you take to the next company? What, what, what would you recommend to people embarking on this? Where do they start with this and start putting a business case together? Start with, uh, I think the, the key role is uh, follow the money. Find out where your spend is being, uh, the money is being spent within the software world, whether it's on-prem or SaaS-based. Once you understand that, you have to bring in the tool to understand your usage, as well as your contracts and, your, and, and how people are using the software. Because once you understand where it's being spent and your, your usage, you can present that business case to say, hey, here's how much we're spending here, how, here's where, how much we're expensing here. And if you have contracts here and you, you have expense here and they're all duplicative, something's got to give because obviously you're paying a higher price when you expense your software. And on the opposite side is uh, contra uh, contracts and, and understanding your software landscape is, is, is a key. Learn, always, li always uh, listen to understand before responding. That's the key. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering on the sort of the, the, the day to day, are you trying to manage every bit of SaaS expenditure or how are you prioritizing? Uh, the priority is primarily all our big SaaS spend. Uh, so it's uh, Adobe, Salesforce. Uh, I, I, we, I look at, so basically I, I, I take the spend, I categorize it by top spend and whether they're SaaS or on-prem or both. And then I also categorize the, the publisher on, on whether they audit us or not, for at least on the on-prem side. If they're SaaS based, it, it is strictly based on uh, top 10 spend or at least top 20 spend. And then I, I target that and then obviously ask the question, do I have an API? Can I get data from the portal? Can I plug in something? So. When I engage Smartsheet, Airtable, and uh, Asana, I always ask them, do you have an API? Can I get data, admin privileges, all this fun stuff that is, that is key to getting data into your SaaS tool to give you your utilization. I mean, are you in a situation where you have individual departments with their own budgets for software that you're managing centrally, or, or is it all kind of centralized and therefore you've got mandate to have control over it that is a great question uh right now and, and i think every org has uh, i i've seen very few orgs centralize where it's one budget uh but most orgs do it as individual divisions or departments mm -hmm. and the paradigm shift within the item space particularly sam is that you have to view this, the money being spent as it's not just the department it's the company so people used to claim, hey, it's my department money. You can't, you can't take my license and give it to someone else in another department. Mm -hmm. But then I, I, I asked the question like, but it's still the company's money. It's not yours particularly. Don't, don't be territorial here, right? It's, <laughs> right? It's, it's still the company's money. It's still Viacom CBS money that was given to you as a budget to do your projects. But this is a larger enterprise initiative where we are trying to rationalize, optimize the software spend as a whole. Even though you spent the money, it is still Viacom CBS money that was spent. So we, we will move the 
the licenses as we see fit based on usage, based on who needs it, because we're trying to manage for the entire enterprise. So that's more of a huge paradigm shift. People are buying, has bought into it finally. It, the journey to, for people to rationalize that and onboard to that type of thinking took pretty much about a year and constant meetings and, and, and uh, communications out to all the stakeholders, particularly the, the finance people. Once the finance people are bought on, it helps. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so, 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 so your route to it is through finance, really, because it is about dollars and cents. Right, um, it's fine. Right, agreed. Finance and the technology owners primarily. Yeah. Okay, great. Can I ask you about the sort of macro level? So, your company is heavily involved in sports, which have disappeared partially for six months. And yet lots of people are watching media as well because of lockdowns and stuff. So how's the, imagine it's been quite rocky. How's the company doing and how has that impacted what you're doing? Oh, the company is doing fairly well. Uh, uh, one slight correction, Martin, is that we are a very large media conglomerate from what I've learned. And we do a lot of sports, right? Uh, but I also realized that we're larger as now a merged company. So Channel 5 in the UK, Telefe in uh, Argentina, Paramount, right? We have Bellator, uh, which is another uh, MMA fighting, and plus CBS is fairly a large conglomerate, right? Uh, television, TV stations, movies even, and Viacom also, you know, with Paramount, so uh, uh, Top Gun, all that fun stuff, as well as other movies that people have seen. So uh, yes, we took a hit in sports, uh, primarily on the advertising side, but uh, we did do a lot of other TV productions or TV series that we then sold to different platforms. So take, for example, uh, the Jack Ryan series, which is, I believe is on Amazon Prime. That is a Paramount TV production sold to them uh, to show on their platform, which I watch religiously. It's a great show, right? Uh, so we do, we're, we're doing well. We did take a hit, but we're, we're since sports is now ramping up and is getting to a better situation. So the, so we're doing better now than before, obviously, but yeah, obviously we did take a hit. So there's not a, what I call cost cutting measure, but we're just trying to rationalize how we spend and optimize uh, what we do internally. Very cool. Maybe this isn't a thing. I, I, I know Zylo have this concept of talking about managed versus unmanaged SaaS spend. Do you have that kind of, uh, wish list, I suppose, of things that you 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 are actively managing versus things that you know about but you haven't really done any work on yet. Yeah, so there there's definitely a ton of SaaS providers and actually tons of software that we as a group can't manage because it's just what I call the giant software tsunami because it's just too much, right? Mm -hmm. So at that time, we just have to make a decision on a threshold of what we should be responsible for or at least be aware of and wary of thank you james for joining the podcast it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you aj thank you thank you have a great weekend gentlemen and speak to you again soon absolutely take care take care